Some of the most expensive drugs in the country are derived from biotechnology, but there is no law or regulatory pathway at the Food and Drug Administration to allow for less expensive biotech drugs, such as those derived from chemicals like cholesterol pills or arthritis tablets that doctors and their patients have become so familiar with. Welcome to the Physician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Kathleen Yeager. She's the president and CEO of the Generic Pharmaceutical Association. As CEO of the Generic Pharmaceutical Association, she represents manufacturers, suppliers, and distributors of generic medicines that now account for more than 60% of all prescriptions filled in the United States. She has been head of this trade association since April of 2002, and before that was an attorney well-versed in food and drug regulation as a partner at the Washington, D.C. Law Office of Kirkpatrick and Lockhart. And Ms. Yeager joins us today from her offices outside of Washington, D.C. Kathleen Yeager, welcome to ReachMD. Oh, Bruce, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, so tell us, uh, this is an issue that I've been familiar with because I've been able to write about one of your members, uh, Hospira, which is trying to bring cheaper, less expensive, if you will, drugs derived from biotechnology to the market. But in the United States, a lot of people don't even realize that a biotech drug that's out there, a very expensive drug, such as an anemia drug or a cancer drug that costs tens of thousands of dollars, may never be available in a cheaper alternative if there is not a regulatory change. Could you tell us a little bit about this? Absolutely, Bruce. And what you said was correct. I mean, there's no generic versions of these drugs in the United States market today because the Food and Drug Administration does not have a clear approval pathway. And in fact, they take the position that they have no legal authority to approve affordable biogenerics. And why, of course, we're interested in this is that patients deserve access, you know, to safe, effective, and affordable biopharmaceuticals. Right now, for example, if we can give our listeners some information on this, there are, for example, Hospira and a couple of other companies are trying to make a generic of the drug EPO. A lot of drug doctors know about this. This drug costs over $10,000 a year, and they're not able to do that. So basically, what is it that we're trying to do? I mean, how is the regulatory process with generic pills, which doesn't take that long at all, and what are we trying to do with the biotech drugs? As you mentioned, the cost of these biopharmaceuticals can be tremendous, and that makes it difficult or impossible for patients to maintain their treatment and make ends meet. And so depending on the patient's needs and dosage form and type of disease, these biopharmaceutical costs can be in the range of tens of thousands of dollars or even up to hundreds of thousands of dollars per patient. And when you're talking about the actual cost, it's interesting that the California Public Employees Retirement System, which provides health care benefits for millions of people, they estimated that it spends on average $55 per person per day on a biotech drug compared to $2 per person per day for a traditional drug. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to ensure that consumers and patients have access to affordable biopharmaceuticals. We're wanting to bring the exact same product to the marketplace but in an affordable fashion. Now, in Europe, I know that there already is a regulatory pathway. So a cancer drug, a biotech drug, of course, these are drugs that potentially are derived from living cells, can indeed be available in a generic form. Or I know that in Washington, they use words like biogeneric or biosimilar, if you will. What is the status of the legislation in the United States? And what did they do in Europe that allowed this to get through? 
You're correct, Bruce, that in Europe they're a little bit more advanced. There are products actually that are available for consumers. So, Bruce, I mean, yes, indeed, Europe is ahead. I think there they actually understand the science exists to support affordable biopharmaceuticals. They understand the need to ensure that patients have biopharmaceuticals. And most importantly, they understand the value to, you know, the government programs of having affordable biopharmaceuticals. But really importantly, too, is that competition here also will spur innovation. So Europe, as well as, yeah, I think, policymakers in the United States understand this is going to be a win-win for consumers. And it's a real need here in the United States to ensure that Americans also have access to affordable biopharmaceuticals. It's just unfortunate that we haven't had the appropriate regulatory construct and legal construct in place for FDA to actually approve these products. So right now we have been uh, working with many other stakeholders. Um, Right now there's nearly 70 organizations representing tens of millions of Americans, including ARP, major corporations like General Motors and Caterpillar, the Consumer Federation of America, AFL, and, and of course, there's more than a dozen governors who are supporting the efforts to provide consumers with affordable biopharmaceuticals. And so we're working diligently on the Hill, very aggressively with these organizations to get legislation passed. And so we're very hopeful that we can get this done this year, and if not, then next year hopefully will be the big year. Well, if you're just joining us or if you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune, and with me is the CEO of the Generic Pharmaceutical Association, Kathleen Yeager. And we're talking about, and most of our listeners, medical professionals, consumers alike, know that after several years, a brand name drug that has cost them potentially a lot of money, three to four, five dollars for a cholesterol pill, once it becomes generic, it's as cheap as maybe a dollar or even less. But when we're talking about the real expensive drugs that have only been on the market for a few years, like biotech drugs, cancer, there is no way for these drugs to become available in cheaper generic, or as the industry likes to call them, biogeneric or biosimilar, because there is no regulatory effort, no law, if you will, to allow this. So Kathleen, if you could, I think one of the things that drives the brand name industry a little crazy are they try to fight this and they say, listen, these are biotech drugs that are derived from living cells and they can't be copied as easily as a cholesterol pill that's made out of chemicals that's less complicated. So are there going to be some differences, like in Europe, for example, where they do basically more clinical trials. I mean, are there going to be potentially some additional testing based on what's being discussed in Washington for the biotech drugs, if indeed they do create a regulatory pathway to become generic? Well, you know, that's interesting is that what we are advocating for and what our coalition partners are advocating for is a science-based system. We're looking for science to drive the system here. So, We are proposing on Capitol Hill a legislation that basically provides FDA with the appropriate discretion for them to turn around and look at a particular product and to make the appropriate scientific decisions based upon that product and what is necessary to bring that product to the marketplace. And certainly, as most of your listeners understand, that the products are going to range, you know, from being very simple to very complex. And so we don't want a one-size-fits-all kind of legislative concept. What we'd rather have is a, you know, a very case-by-case approach by FDA, which allows, again, as I said, science drive the system, and then allows science to evolve and allow FDA to evolve with that science over the years. So sometimes... 
you know, there are going to be situations where FDA may determine that indeed a scientific clinical study is necessary, and that others they decide, may decide it's not necessary, that other types of assays and other types of studies would be appropriate to bring that product to the marketplace. And is that the way they do it in Europe? I believe it is. They do do some where a lot of people might not even be familiar with how a generic drug becomes generic. It's kind of like once the patent expires, they basically get the chemical makeup and they can start making and selling the drug almost when the generic is approved. Is that pretty much how it is? But I think with the biotech drugs in Europe, they do face some perhaps more rigorous testing. Well, I know that Europe actually has basically promulgated certain types of requirements to get approvals, and some of it, of course, actually includes clinical trials. But in the United States, we have, again, allowed a system whereby, you know, FDA has been able to use their scientific discretion to ensure that consumers are indeed getting the right medicine, you know, the same medicine, and are going to yield the same results. And what's important is when we're talking about an approval process, we want FDA to have the necessary tools. Whatever tools they may need, whether we're talking about high-tech, you know, assay issues, whether we're talking about clinical trials, whether we're talking about follow-on studies, we want FDA to make sure that they have, you know, the right information to support those products going into the marketplace. And again, it's worked very well here in the United States. We have a system that lets science evolve and not necessarily make science stagnated in, in time. Well, this is very interesting that you bring this up because a lot of what you hear from the other side in the brand name industry is that they just sort of throw out these notions that these are complicated drugs and the cynic doesn't want me to believe that they really don't want this bill to come through. But what I'm hearing from you is that the generic industry is certainly open to different kinds of tests for different kinds of drugs because some of these biotech drugs are derived from the saliva of a Gila monster or something, whereas another drug is derived from this kind of cell or that kind of cell. So it seems like the generic industry is allowing for some wiggle room, if you will. Absolutely. And again, you know, as you point out, some products are going to be very crude, like the current heparin. Right now in the marketplace in the United States, there is a generic heparin. And, and that's the product that actually is being used by many patients you know, in the United States. And that's a very crude biopharmaceutical product. But what we're really talking about, we're not talking about these really crude products. We're talking about purified proteins. And we're talking about using state-of-the-art techniques in the science area to ensure that these products are indeed safe and effective for their intended use. And so from that standpoint, you know, we're making sure that our products are well characterized, that, you know, we can look at the analytical characterization of that product, define that product to appropriately use, as I mentioned, comparability testing, which is analytical methods, you know, that have really come a long way in many years. And so, again, we're asking FDA and the scientists, to, you know, to really let science drive the system. And it's interesting, If I don't know if you wanted to handicap this for me, but it is an election year and a lot of people are hopeful for a lot of movement in Washington, if not this year, certainly after the election. It seems to be that this bill has a lot of support from both sides of the aisle. Yes, there is a lot of support. I think all the policymakers understand the need for affordable biopharmaceuticals here. I think everyone realizes that there's, you know, biopharmaceuticals are products that Americans are using every day. Most people just don't realize that the medicine they're utilizing 
is derived from a living organism, yet they, you know, they know it as medicines. And so I think policymakers certainly understand that today biopharmaceuticals are making up, you know, a vast amount of the products in the, you know, the medical arsenal. And it's absolutely, you know, imperative that we actually get affordable biopharmaceuticals into the hands of consumers and physicians. Do you have a number for us? I think it's biopharmaceuticals now account for, is it over $70 billion? It's tens of billions of dollars. When you consider the fact that just one product, if you could bring competition just to one product alone, you would be able to save the healthcare system billions of dollars. Well, we'd like to thank Kathleen Yeager, who has been our guest. She is the president and CEO of the Generic Pharmaceutical Association. We've been talking about the effort by the generic pharmaceutical industry and, quite frankly, others who pay for health benefits in this country, the effort to get a regulatory pathway to get some of these really expensive biotech drugs for cancer, anemia, and other treatments to consumers in a less expensive fashion. And I'm Bruce Japson. I've been your host on ReachMD XM157. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at ReachMD.com, which now features our entire medical show library and on-demand podcasts. And I would like to thank you today for listening.